25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hole. I get out of hand. Just just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the rest right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. All right. Hour two of the show underway. Off and running. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau. Go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across all 82 counties in the great state of Mississippi. Uh, Let me read you something from hour one that you might have missed this. We got a text from Scotty, a listener here on the show. Right at the very beginning, and it comes in on the country-pleasing text line, and Scotty said, Matt, I have to say you're 100% correct about Farm Bureau. My agent, Bob Atkins in Madison, has many, many clients. He called my mother to check on her out of the blue yesterday. Wasn't asked to do it. It's because that's who he is, and that's who Farm Bureau agents are. I just thought I'd tell you that story, and it made me feel proud. Well, Scotty, I appreciate you sharing it. And uh, like I said, and I'm not surprised. No Bob a little bit, but they're just great folks. Somebody at that company's done an outstanding job hiring people. I can tell you that much. That's Farm Bureau. Also staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. Uh, texts coming in on the country, please, and text line. Um I mean, this was really something here. Jay, who texted us, and he said that second to his parents, the Andy Griffith show was the thing that was most influential in shaping his young life. He said, and just to be clear, my parents were amazing. It just tells you how much that show touched me. I'm so thankful my dad watched it religiously. That's from Jay in Baltimore. Now, in terms of the Andy Griffith Show being this longest-running deal, I was speculating. I don't know that. People bringing up gun smoke, but somebody on Facebook, uh, Donald on the Facebook live stream, brought up I Love Lucy. Yeah, there's your answer, right? That's it. There's your answer. I Love Lucy's got to be the longest um, show running there out there in syndication and rerun. But Andy Griffith's show can't be far behind. So we had a good time with that in hour one. Now, coming up in about two minutes from right now, we're going to have, if everything goes according to plan, we're going to have John Cohen, Athletics Director, Mississippi State, on the Divinity Equipment phone. We'll chat it up with John because, as you know, a couple days ago, the NCAA made the decision that they were going to reward that year of eligibility back to spring semester athletes, spring sport athletes who had their seasons canceled, baseball, softball, others. 
but that's a big deal. And it does then throw the schools into um, warp mode from a financial standpoint of trying to figure out solutions. Okay, so how do we, if we bring all those back, we put them on scholarship, what do the numbers go to if we're also adding in the new class? So, I mean, we're going to talk about some of that with John coming up. You know, one thing, too, I may ask him, just because I'm curious. Speaking of things, Jay, that influenced our young lives, like the Andy Griffith Show, a friend of mine named Chad Dacus. Y'all may know Chad. He's the guy with the big, long beard who's always cooking out in the outfield and getting on TV during the Mississippi State baseball games. (laughs) That's Chad. Fear the beard. But he put out on Twitter back several days ago, a week ago, He said, name four baseball players who had an influence on your young life, you know, as a kid, and then tag four other people to see what they say. So I thought, now that's cool. And I I even made an entire YouTube video about it on on my YouTube channel. Just, just go to youtube.com slash Matt Wyatt Media. It'll be the most recent one where I explain my answers. And my four were Tony Gwynn, Dale Murphy, Tom Glavin, and number four, Joe Wyatt, my dad. Because as a kid, I grew up like a lot of boys. You grow up kind of idolizing your dad. And well, my dad, you know, my dad... I was born when my dad was 22. He had just finished playing some college baseball at a small school in Alabama called Montevallo. Montevallo, the Falcons there, outside of Birmingham. And he was a catcher. So coming up as a little toddler, you know, there are these wooden bats around the house and two or three old catcher's mitts and a helmet and <laughs> all this baseball stuff. Well, it was his. And so for me as a young boy, man, it might as well have been Babe Ruth. I heard about Babe Ruth, and I'm like, well, my dad played baseball, too. (laughs) So he was one of the four, I would say, that had the most influence on me and uh, wanting to play and loving the sport and all that. I wonder what John's answer would be. Well, let's ask him right now on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. On your radio right now is John Cohen, Athletics Director of Mississippi State, who played baseball at State, coached there, and now he's the AD. John, I appreciate some time here on a Wednesday, hoping you and yours are healthy right now. Y'all doing okay? We're doing well, man. How's your crew doing? Yeah, we're fine. No complaints whatsoever. Very blessed. I had to play a little baseball music, John. I, I was recounting something that a mutual friend of ours, Chad Dacus, an exercise that Chad put me through on Twitter. He wanted me to name four baseball players that were influential uh, for me as a kid and then we had to tag four other people I should have tagged you because I'm curious what your answer to that would be four baseball players that had the most influence on you in your youth okay is this youth count high school is let's that, go youth, no right? let's go younger I tell you what let's go younger let's I mean let's you know preteen John Cohen okay See, because I was immediately going to go with Will and Raphael because in high school, you know, they were my idols. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, I, I would not have known as a kid who those guys were. I, you know, I'd have to say George Brett. 
Okay. He's one of those guys for me. I, I just loved, I idolized George Brett. Um, I uh, believe it or not, you're going to have to be a hardcore baseball person to know this name. But I was a huge fan of Al Oliver. Al Oliver is one of those guys who had like a 16-year big league career. He hit 300 like 11 times with like 10 different teams. And I just thought he was one of those guys who could get a hit. And his license plate in Sports Illustrated said, Al Hits. <laughs> I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. That is um, cool. Yeah, um, I, I will have to say for sure that Ernie Banks was one of those guys, even though he was prior to my time. Mm -hmm. I just, I love the fact he played on really bad teams and was an MVP type player on really bad Cub teams. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and who else? I, I, you know what? I really idolized Keith Hernandez. I thought he was, okay. you know, I love the swing, tried to pattern my swing after his. So I, yeah. Yeah, you go. But if you get into high school now, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna have to contend with Will Clark and Rafael Palmero. For sure, sure, no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, if I did my list as a little bit older too, I might I'd have a guy like McGuire, you know, and the the McGuires, and there was even a time there where I thought Jose Canseco was great. That all kind of changed, but you know, so you're right. The time frame really affects it. Uh, my list, John, was now I was not a college baseball player like you, but. You know, we all have our list. Mine was Tony Gwynn, Dale Murphy, Tom Glavin, and my dad, because my dad played baseball at Montevallo, and as a little kid, he might as well have been Babe Ruth to me. You know, I didn't know the difference. Um, you know, Montevallo is one of those NAI programs that was good for a long time. In fact, you know, they produced a couple of big leaguers, and they had a legendary coach there for, for many, many years, and of course his name escapes me right now, but... Montevallo was a very good baseball program for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it's neat we, we talk about that, you know, the way that uh, people influence you coming up, and for you, Rafi and Will. I saw, did you see the video that uh, popped up on Twitter overnight of Will Clark, I guess within the last 24 hours, in his garage just putting the ball on a tee, taking some cuts, uh, hitting a baseball in his garage. Did you see that? <laughs> you know, I didn't see that, Matt, but I, I'll tell you this. I asked him on my podcast a while back, Matt. I said, hey, tell me what you do. You look like you lost some weight since your hip surgery. What have you done, done to lose weight? He said, hit. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, that's not exactly an aerobic exercise. He goes, well, that's what I do, man. I just still hit. And I tell you, there were some times, you know, late, you know, even even I remember, like in 2016, maybe 2017, he was taking BP. He was 54 years old. Mm -hmm. He was taking BP with our hitters. I mean, the swing still holds up. Mm -hmm. I, I really believe Will could still hit in the big leagues. Now, getting him to first base would be a little bit more difficult, but he could. There ain't no doubt he could get hits in the big leagues right now. Yeah, he could make contact. You know, I felt that way about Tony Gwynn when I saw him, a video of him when he was coaching out at San Diego State. And, of course, he had the disease and he was overweight. But I, I thought, you know what? He could step in a batter's box. He'd hit the baseball against Major League Pitching right then at that moment. You know, so much of it with hitting is eyesight and your brain and the way you interpret or see things. And I don't think that ever leaves somebody like Will Clark. Yeah, but I do. But I do love the Ted Williams. Uh, <laughs> I do love the Ted Williams quote. You know, when he was still alive, and he's talking to Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal asked him what he, 
you know, what what he thought he would hit if he were in the big leagues today. And he said, ah, you know, I'd probably hit about 250, 260. And he goes, Ted, only 250, 260? He goes, Billy, I'm in a wheelchair. <laughs> so, That's fantastic. So, that is the essence of Ted Williams right there. That's it. He's good as most of them in a wheelchair. <laughs> That's you great. That is great. John Cohen on your radio right now. Hey, one more thing in terms of looking back before I, I get to the reason we called you, and this is it's typical that I would use my time on something else, but I just have to ask you about this, John. The other day, the Major League Baseball Network was showing me Red Sox-Yankees from like 1978, okay? And Ron Guidry was pitching for the Yankees. Uh, you had Yaskrimski and Fisk and those guys playing for the Red Sox. There was no graphic on the screen. They didn't put the score or anything. I'm watching the game. And I was struck at how quickly the game was moving, how fast Guidry seemed to be working on the mound, how little time the batters were taking between pitches as well, because they couldn't because the pitcher's about to deliver and how fast the game was going compared to kind of what I'm used to seeing now. Now, is this an old guy, get off my lawn, and I'm imagining that? Or do you think I'm onto something that we watched games back then, they played them faster? You know, Buck Showalter has a great take on this. And his thing is, if you're going to have 40 at-bats in a game per team, 80 at-bats, and pay, play 20 something seconds worth of walk-up music hmm. um and hmm. you're gonna have sound effects in between every pitch and you're gonna allow hitters to step out and take signs after every pitch even if nobody's on base um you're gonna be into three-hour baseball games and it's a shame because this game needs to be somewhere between a two-hour and two-hour and 30-minute game the way it used to be and i'm telling you is you're well aware matt because you have children you know, this generation of kids growing up, their their attention span to things like baseball isn't long. Mm-hmm. And in order to hold on to that generation of fan and that generation of player, I think we got to take drastic measures to speed the game up. In fact, some people might get really upset with me when I say this, but, you know, high school baseball is a seven-inning game, right? Right. I, I think that college baseball – ought to move to being an eight-inning game, and professional baseball needs to be a nine-inning game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell you something else. I am in favor of the reliever having to face three hitters. Okay. I am a, in huge favor of that because I think that speeds up the big league, big league game all the way down as well. So I yeah. think there are many things you can do. The, the challenge is the traditionalists all say, that's not baseball. Well, you know, 50 years ago, having a walk-up song for 80 straight at-bats wasn't baseball either. That's exactly so I think right. adjustments have to be made. That's exactly yeah. right. Couldn't agree more. And, and it really, for anybody that wants to disagree with that, let them sit down and watch that game from 78, what it looked like. It's amazing how fast it went compared to what we're used to now. John Cohen on your radio. And you know what? Go ahead, John. Matt, that's what it's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, I, I agree with you. That's what it's supposed to look like, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there was no downtime. Um, and I think they need to look at that. Uh, John, 
a reason I wanted to have you on. A couple days ago, we had the headline: the NCAA was going to award, if I, if that's the right word, the eligibility for spring sport athletes this year back to them. In other words, baseball, softball, the season is canceled. Those players can come back and play and preserve that year. Um, I, I'm assuming for you that was not a surprise that that happened. No, it wasn't a surprise. And some really important people in college athletics, you know, made sure to, to ensure the fact that, you know, college athletes, spring sport athletes were able to get another year of eligibility. I think there was strong sentiment around the country for just giving that year to seniors, which I still don't understand. I, I, I really, I feel bad for seniors who lost their year, but everybody lost their, their year in terms yeah. of spring sports. So I feel really bad for the basketball kids who didn't get to play in a tournament. I feel horrible for them. Um, I feel bad for the gymnastics kids who didn't get to go to the SEC meet or the, the national meet and that sport. But, but I, I think the right thing was done, it, I, but there's still, quite frankly, many loose ends that need to be tended to in order for this to all work out. Sure, and and you're looking at every minute detail, including scholarships, at, at least from an overall structure, John. Am I reading it right? The NCAA is going to say no roster limits. If you got an expanded roster, it just happens. Okay, we understand that. We're going to lift those. But you still have to have the money for the scholarships? I mean, isn't that one of the concerns? Well, this has been interpreted many ways, so I'm going to tell you how I'm interpreting it right now, Matt. Okay. This doesn't necessarily mean that this is the way it ends up being. The way I'm interpreting it is you're getting relief from scholarship aid and from roster numbers strictly based on the amount of seniors that you have. Okay. So in other words, if Mississippi State has one scholarship worth of seniors – and let's just say there's three seniors and they're sharing one full scholarship. That means for the next year, those guys would be reinstated. Those seniors would get another senior year, but the scholarship being spent on those seniors would not count against the 11.7. Okay. 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 But here's, here's the challenge with that. The way I see it, the challenge is this. The challenge is, as the truck rolls by me, um, <laughs> that the SEC really doesn't have seniors. If you look at the numbers, only 8% of all SEC baseball players are seniors, mm-hmm. whereas almost a third, almost 33% of all baseball players in the Southeast Conference are freshmen. Right. About 30% of all baseball players in this league are juniors. So the two smallest groups are the, is the senior group by far, and then believe it or not, the sophomore group. Mm-hmm. So in our and it's all predicated upon the draft, Matt. Okay. That, you know the the draft means everything because your draft affects how many kids you're bringing in. Because when you recruit at a high level, like the Southeastern Conference and Power Five institutions recruit you're going to lose kids to the draft out of high school. So that's going to take some of the numbers down. And, of course, the juniors, the third-year players, a lot of them are going to get drafted as well. So that kind of that the, the coach at the high level has to account for those two things happening. He knows how many seniors he's going to lose. 
Yeah. But he doesn't know how many juniors he's going to lose, and he doesn't know how many kids out of his recruiting class he's going to lose until the draft. Well, recently we learned that the draft is probably going to be either five or ten rounds. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very restricted, and the way they're paying the, the kids is much more restricted. So I think the rule's going to be the most you can get in, in year one is $100,000, no matter what your draft status is. Mm-hmm. And they will have two years to get you back to your full bonus amount, at least the way I'm reading it, that could be wrong. But so that's really going to affect how many juniors want to sign. Right. Because if I'm a junior and I have two more years of eligibility because of what has happened, mm-hmm. that's, that's really going to affect me. Maybe I come back, you know, Brent Rooker came back. He turned down, I think $350,000. He was a fourth year junior who turned down money after three years to come back for a fourth year and it didn't hurt him. He went from being a 20 something rounder to a first rounder. And then Ethan small, very similar. Ethan small is a 20 something rounder. He's a fourth year junior because he had surgery comes back and then he becomes a first round pick. So I think a lot of these juniors will go into that. Well, and then we're looking at not just one year out in front, but two years out in front at uh, expanded rosters there it's really you're right so it it multiplies on you john great conversation i appreciate it man uh very very much and what is i know still a busy time with all the phone calls and conversations so thank you good to talk to you appreciate you matt take care yep thank you that's john cohen follow him on twitter at john cohen ad rolling along with you hour two of the show in the farm bureau studio farm bureau go with the home team. Stay with me. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with uh, John Cohen, AD, Mississippi State. It's complicated. Isn't that a movie? Didn't they make a movie titled It's Complicated? What movie was that? Y'all help me out. Uh, Who's in that? Steve Martin? Wasn't Steve Martin in that movie? Alec Baldwin? Is that the one? Anyway, moving on. It is complicated. The NCAA eligibility stuff, they're going to give it back, doing what they should do, but still so many different pieces and moving parts that they're all going to have to figure out. And then for baseball, you have a draft. For softball, you don't. So how do you do those different things? All right, look here. On the Country Pleasing text line, it's 885-ESPN. If you're tuned in this afternoon driving around or if you're in your garage or in your backyard on back porch or however you're tuning in, maybe you're at home walking on a treadmill trying to be productive during this time of quarantine and get the earbuds in listening to the show, then hey to you and appreciate you tuning in. Ghost Pepper says Barney Five. A wink is as good as a nod to a blind mule. 
It's about right. Also, Barney Five. I don't have time to stand around discussing trivial trivialities. <laughs> That's great. Trivial trivialities. I think with everything going on nowadays, Ghost Pepper, a lot of the sports news out there does seem like trivial trivialities, right? Like the story about the NFL voting to expand its playoff to 14 teams. I mean, it's impactful, but right now it's just a trivial triviality. Y'all want to hear it again? That gum, man, it just makes you feel better. It really does. Uh, JC on the text line says, Matt, tell Coach to offer the returning seniors full scholarships so we can get to be Vanderbilt for a year. <laughs> Let's make a run at that exclusive, elusive national championship. Well, I mean, make no mistake about it, JC. Some depending on how people come out of this thing financially, if you come out even halfway okay, then you figure it out. But I don't know that everybody will come out of it halfway okay. We'll see. Jason in Flagstaff. I love your thoughts on the Andy Griffith show, by the way, Jason. Jason out in Arizona listening, he says, because I'm the one who said Goober, maybe my most favorite character in the show, played by George Lindsay, Outside of Barney and Andy. And Jason says, I have to question anyone who lists Goober or Gomer with Aunt B and Thelma Lou sitting right there in front of them. Then he says, you remember that one where Aunt B got into the tonic? <laughs> yeah. That entire episode was an ode to how great that woman was. And then he says, uh, we only watch old TV shows. He has a seven-year-old. And he actually kind of looks like Opie. <laughs> he discovered that he kind of looks like Opie. <laughs> That's great. And of the things Jason says influenced him other than his parents growing up, he says, tell you what influenced him. Danny Tanner. All right. So that would be Full House, right? Carl Winslow. So that'd be Family Matters. Uncle Phil. That'd be Fresh Prince. And then he says Hulk Hogan. <laughs> And they said, and then they said, what do you say? Train, say your prayers, and eat your vitamins. <laughs> that was Hulk's advice. <laughs> Lift weights, say your prayers, and eat your vitamins. Outstanding stuff. Hey, I, you know, Beaver, did you watch the uh, Fuller House where they did the remake or the reunion shows for Full House? I saw the first season. Okay, how many seasons did they do? You know, I think they did four. Oh wow, maybe, I maybe five. I didn't realize it was that many. I was thinking it was like one or two. Okay, so there's four or five. Well, so it was all probably what a year ago. Well, no, it's longer than that. Was so within the last five years, people started throwing a fit about Fuller House. You know, here it comes back and all this. And I remember catching wind of it. I just never went and watched it. We're back to that subject again. But the other day, we're flipping through Netflix here at home with my wife and daughter because we had nothing else to do at that particular time. And they like watching the reruns of the old Full House. My wife was a huge fan of the show when it came along. I was just a fan of Aunt Becky, okay? That's the only reason. As an adolescent coming up, 
The only reason I had to be watching that show was to see Aunt Becky. Okay, I'm just being honest. The rest of it I thought was silly. Well, we turned it on, this now this Fuller house, which was made in the last five years, prior to Aunt Becky going to federal prison here for, you know, bribing university or whatever. But anyway, and so Beaver, this was only like a day or two ago we turned it on, and what really kind of blew me away was how Jesse, played by, why can't I think of his name? John Stamos. John Stamos. So uh, Jesse, played by John Stamos, has not aged at all. The guy has found the fountain of youth. He hasn't aged. Aunt Becky, Lori Laughlin, hasn't aged. And even funny guy, Joey. The guy really hasn't aged that much. Now, Danny Tanner has aged. Of course, all the kids have grown up. In the episode we watched, Beaver, they even looked at the camera one time, all did, and, and made a joke about how the, uh, the, the young girl played by the twins isn't there. Uh, didn't show up, didn't come, and was not a part of the reunion. What do they call the Olsen twins? Yeah. And they played the little girl, Michelle, or whatever. And at one point in the episode, we watched the Fuller House. They all looked at the camera and said something like, really? You couldn't be here? You're that busy? (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty good. I mean, but I was impressed. It's actually good stuff, you know? So that was Danny Tanner, Fuller House. Got to see some of it. Now, this is really neat. Somebody, I don't have a name here, but somebody sent me a link of a local two-and-a-half-year-old uh, kid looking at flashcards and is able to identify the different in, uh, Pelicans, the New Orleans Pelicans teams, uh, players. That's pretty cool. Thanks for the link. Uh, Ernest T. says, Wow, thoroughly enjoyed listening to you and Coach Cohen talking baseball. Doesn't get much better than that. Please do that again. And that's from Ernest T. Man, I appreciate it. Yeah, enjoyed talking baseball. You know, John is John's a highly intelligent cat now, and you can get him if you can ever kind of get him off track, which is hard to do. Uh, he's really interesting to talk to. Grumpy said, I always enjoy Coach Cohen. What a mind. We are so blessed at MSU for our coaches. Grumpy is really missing being at the dude, and I guarantee you, I mean, you're not the only one. Everybody's missing it. Bulldog Bo, I'm not going to read it on air, but I appreciate your text. Thank you for the heads up. And let's go to Jay here in Baltimore on the Country Pleasing text line. He says, uh, we will all look back at the coronavirus one day with different memories. I'm going to have a tough time remembering all the negative if it influences the big four to come back to Mississippi State and lead to a baseball national championship. So who are the big four, Jay? That would be uh, Westberg, Foscue, Allen, and Ginn. Is that what you're talking about? Those four? It'd be a heck of a deal to get them back for sure. No doubt about it. Hey, and on the other side, you know, talking about college baseball, I saw a note the other day. Do you see where Ole Miss was leading the country 
and I think it said they averaged more than three home runs a ball game in the games that they played to start the year. I'm not sure I realized that was going on. So, you know, they're getting their rug pulled out from under their feet. Unfortunate for that team, too, because they were as hot as anybody. Grumpy says he saw John Stamos play with the Beach Boys once. Really? I thought he was sort of just like a played a musician on TV. I didn't know he really was one. Yeah. Hey, uh, I mentioned to the NFL playoff vote. Here are the um, basic details on that, and it was expected. I think you even had some headlines recently that kind of led you to believe that this was a real possibility, but this is just, it's official now. Okay, so it is a legit headline. The NFL voted yesterday to expand the playoff format from 12 to 14 teams. That is beginning with this upcoming season. Now, there's all manner of quotes and opinions. You got Herb Street saying, I don't see any way they're going to play college or NFL football. You got others going, we're going forward with the draft, and we're going to have a full season with fans. I mean, the opinions are just all over the place. But if you have a season this year, the NFL is expanding the playoffs so two more teams are getting in as opposed to normal. Just know that that's happened. What does it mean to you right now? It doesn't mean anything. File it away. It's news. It is news. A couple of news stories for you coming up next that you probably haven't heard out here in the sports world. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Stay with me. never know what you might learn by listening, but in my case, reading. Since I'm the talker, that's what it is on radio. In this case, reading your texts, some of them on the country pleasing text line, like this one from an unnamed texter says, John Stamos regularly plays with the Beach Boys. And he sings the songs on which the late Dennis Wilson was the lead vocal. Huh. Had no idea. Man, what a life. Actor, heartthrob. Get to play Aunt Becky's husband on TV. <laughs> and then go hang out and play with the Beach Boys. I'll tell you what, man. He's got it knocked. All right, headlines. Here we go. The state of Arizona has declared golf an essential activity. And as you would expect, some of the residents of Arizona are a little bit eh, miffed. The state has declared golf essential 
Officials laid down the new rules in the Grand Canyon State this week, forcing Arizonans to shelter in place unless they had a good reason to leave, like for jobs or essential activities. Essential activities. In that particular order, they say that golf, along with walking, hiking, running, biking, say all those things, including golf, are, quote, essential exercises. Now, is going to play golf, going to a golf course, up and down a golf course, walking in the woods, hiking in the woods, running in the woods, biking in the woods. <laughs> They're great exercise. Go out and do all those things. Is it helping to slow the spread of the coronavirus? Put your money where your mouth is. Don't tell me what you care about. Show me. Show me what you care about. Let me just go a real skewed example over here because it's about money. All right, Colonel Mustard just tweeted me at Radio Wyatt. He says, golf is a huge part of Arizona tourism. They have an insane amount of courses. Sure they do. And now one thing you can do is like go play golf and stay within six feet of somebody pretty easy. You know, you go play golf with me. You want to stay within six feet of me. You got to go into the woods. Okay. Cause that's where I'm going. And my ball is going in the woods or the lake. So I get it. All the golf courses, big time tourism. I get it. But what are we saying? Colonel muster. Are we saying that they're playing politics in Arizona? Is that what we're saying? Because money talks. They don't want to shut down the tourism. We're going to lose money. Yeah, but lives are being lost. Yeah, but the coronavirus could kill more people if we continue to spread it at a really high rate by not sheltering in place. Okay, well, what we'll do then is we'll put out here a stay-at-home order for the entire state of Arizona. And that, I'm a politician, see, that will appease the people over here. But back here behind the curtain, I got some people who are really upset about the amount of money that they will lose and that we will lose and that tourism will lose if we shut down golf. So let's just make it a, a part of the essential exercise deal. Let's just put that out there. And then we appease the people behind the curtain also. Because as you say, Colonel Mustard, golf is a huge part of Arizona tourism. You know what the pragmatic person says right now? Who cares? Who cares if golf is a huge part of Arizona tourism? Who gives a flip? There's a whole lot of things that are a whole lot of part of lots of stuff. The man down here that owns a restaurant, guess what? The restaurant business and people getting to go out and eat is a huge part of his tourism. A huge part of his bank account. What about the small family-owned grocery store? I know there aren't as many of them, but there are some. What about them? You know? Um, so, so we're just going to say that it's okay to do certain things because we just got to have the money. 
Is that right? Don't tell me what you're about, because I can already see it, what you're about. Golf. Essential exercise. My butt. I'm sorry. Annabeth will hear about that and get on to me for saying that. My foot. Don't tell me what you're about. Don't try to convince me what you're about. I can already see it. Here's another news story for you from west of here, much like that one. Idaho has banned transgender girls from playing girls' sports. The state of Idaho has formally banned transgender girls and women from competing in sports designated for females. On Monday, Governor Brad Little signed off on House Bill 500, also known as Fairness in Women's Sports Act. The bill says, quote, Athletic teams or sports designated for females, women, or girls shall not be open to students of the male sex. Good for Idaho. And now we go east to New Jersey. And I don't know if y'all are noticing this, but New Jersey has the same kinds of headlines as Florida. You know, the a Florida man? A Florida man. Well, look, you can put in New Jersey about 9 out of 10. Here's this one from New Jersey. A New Jersey couple charged is charged with child endangerment after they hosted a party for 40 or more guests during this coronavirus pandemic. They hosted a party. A New Jersey couple has been charged with five Counts of child endangerment. One for each of their young'uns. After police answered a call and found a gathering of approximately 40 to 50 people, including children, on the front lawn and in the street in front of the residence. All these people are in their 30s. Endangering the welfare of children for hosting the party. That is what they are charged with during these coronavirus restrictions. Now, agree, disagree. Huh? Agree or disagree? New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy over the weekend blasted New Jersey residents and threatened to bust up coronavirus parties. Here's what his tweet said with 72,000 likes. Good on him. The governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, said this. I can't believe I have to say this at all, let alone for the second time, but here we are. No corona parties. They're illegal, dangerous, and stupid. And then he said, we will crash your party, we will, you will pay a fine, and we will name and shame you until everyone gets this message into their heads. Let me tell you something, Governor Phil Murphy, they're not getting it into their heads. There's not room for it in there. And we have the same problem in Mississippi. 
You hear me? You hear me? Run, tell him I said it. Run, tell. I got the same problem in Mississippi. We have the same problem in my town and in your town. We have the same problem on my street and on your street. Everybody going to work. Hanging out elbow to elbow at the cigar shop. At the liquor store. Yep. At the park. At the golf course. Yep. And let's get about 15, 20 of us together and all our kids and just ride big wheels out in the front yard. Yeah, we're six feet apart. Bull. You ain't six inches apart. But you're bored. So you think it's okay. Man, I'm telling you what. It's alarming how many stupid people there are walking around and selfish and airheaded. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm kind of surprised that Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey is just now figuring that out. And what about Mississippi? We're all better when we learn how to sacrifice together when we have to. And if we're too childish and too soft-headed to do it, man, I guess we just suffer the consequences then, don't we? Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow.